This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Lord God, your word is a lamp to our feet, a light for our path. Help us to follow you and your word. This is the best possible thing. Lord God, we pray that as as we worship you, we recognize that you're not only our Savior, but that you're our Lord. We're to follow you. Lord, help us to do that. Not only for our good and the good of our community and our world, but so that you might be glorified with the glory that you are due. We pray this in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this was an interesting week. Mm-hmm. A lot of things happen, right? And I want you to know that's exactly why we're in this series called Renewed. Because this is a foundational series for our whole lives. So that when the circumstances in life change, we find ourselves on Jesus, the rock, immovable. See, that's why, right? Changing circumstances, going crazy things in our lives, chaos in our lives. That's why last week, Pastor Ben preached on worship over worry. And that's why today we're going to talk about faith in God instead of faith in feelings. A number of years ago when I was doing campus ministry, I had a bunch of college students in front of me and I, I asked them the question, what directs your decisions? What directs your actions, your words, your thoughts? In other words, really simply, how do you make decisions in your life on the day-to-day? Same question now I'm, I'm asking you. What directs your decisions? What directs your actions, your words, your thoughts? How do you make your daily decisions? Well, when I asked the college students, the unanimous answer was, by my feelings. Okay? If it feels right to me, that's what I do. Right? I have a feeling They're not the only ones who do that. I know I have. Here's the thing, right? Our our feelings, our emotions, they're kind of like the sand on the beach. Sand on the the seashore. As soon as someone walks on them, the sand, it looks different, doesn't it? There's, there's a footprint there. There's been pressure applied. It looks different. As soon as someone grabs up some sand to make a sand castle, that sand on the beach looks different. When a dog digs a hole on the beach, it looks different. The the powerful waves come crashing in. It smashes it down, moves it apart. The whistling wind comes and the, the sand gets moved all over the place. It's the same for us and our feelings. When the pressures of life come, our circumstances change, our feelings change as well. Our feelings change, for example, when we get a medical diagnosis or when we get a news report 
Or when there's a post on social media, you know this, our, our feelings are always changing. Think about it this way. You're on your way to your favorite restaurant for dinner. You're happy you can't wait to get there. It's going to be awesome. And on your way to, to dinner, you have to stop at the stop and go light. You're like the fourth car in line, okay? And, and you know, you're talking. The music is going, all that. Everything's good. The light turns green, and the guy uh, or the woman in front, whatever, you know, the guy in front doesn't go right away. How long does it take before your emotion changes? And you're like, hey, buddy, it's green. It's not going to get any greener. You know, do you ever stop to think, you know, is it socially appropriate for me to honk from the fourth car in line? Right? Our, our emotions change. We get angry. We get upset. Or, or maybe, you know, you're, you're driving along. Again, you're listening to the tunes. You, you know, you're talking with whoever's in the car with you. And you come up to a roundabout. And there's a car in front of you. And they start to slow way, way down. And there's no one around anywhere. And this person, like, basically stops in front of you at the roundabout, even though there's no, and you go, I can't believe it. Don't you know how to you a roundabout yet? Our, our feelings and emotions are always changing. And it, here's the thing, though, right? Let's just, you know, God made us emotional beings. And so we're going to have a lot of emotions. This is, this is not a bad thing. We have emotional responses, the things that happen in life. We all have an emotional response. We all have feelings about what happened at the Capitol this past week. Maybe we have the same response. Maybe it's different, but we all had emotional response to it. The DA's decision in Kenosha, we maybe have the same feelings about that. Maybe not, but we all had an emotional response, just as we do for absolutely everything else that happens in life. To feel is to be human. To feel is to be made in the image of God. Jesus had feelings too, right? Remember when he went to to Lazarus's tomb, and he's, he's talking there with Mary and Martha. And what does the scripture say? It, it says, you know, in, in effect, Jesus had grief. He, he wept, right? He wept, cried. He had grief. I, I can't tell you how many funerals I've done in the past uh, where a loved one of the person who is deceased is crying. They see me, they get embarrassed. They go, oh, pastor, I know I shouldn't cry. Who told you that? Who told you to repress your feelings? You know, when Jesus cried, uh, the people weren't going, oh, what a blubber baby. You know, get over it. Not at all. You know what they said? They, They looked at him and they said, see how he loved him. When we have a loved one die, uh, I think one of the ways that we can show our thanks to God, a way that we can show our thanks to God is by our tears. This hurts. This person was a blessing in our life. Thank you, God, for this blessing in our lives. And when Jesus learned 
that John the Baptist had been murdered, that was it. He stopped everything. I'm out. I got to go. Not going to carry on this conversation any further. I need some quiet time. This is what the, the scripture says. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, that John the Baptist had been murdered, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I just need some alone time. Jesus knows what it's like to be overwhelmed. Okay? Pressed down. Here's a scriptural example. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. See, Jesus didn't deny his feelings. He identified his feelings. He validated his feelings. And he aligned them with God's word. He didn't try to repress his feelings. He didn't try to remove his feelings, but he just relied on God instead of his feelings. To minimize or deny our feelings, again, is the distortion of how God made us. God made us not only physical and spiritual, but also emotional. It's a package deal. It's who we are. And when we minimize our emotions, we impair our ability to love God, to love others, and even to love ourselves. Without emotion, we would never be able to have compassion or empathy or inspiration. Even the emotions that we often think of or categorize as negative emotions like shame and guilt, even those emotions can be used to draw us closer to God and closer to other people as we seek forgiveness and reconciliation for the wrongs that we have done. God made us emotional beings. But as Jesus taught us, emotions are not to inform our faith. Our faith is meant to inform our emotions. Okay. Here's what I mean. Pre-pandemic in the Western world... Mental health issues were, were on the rise. Things like worry and anxiety and depression. And the pandemic has only accelerated those things as you know, maybe from your own life, from the lives of others as you see them, right? Uh, just, it, it's ongoing. And, and so there are a lot of people who are hurt. And maybe you've noticed this, maybe you've recognized this, that hurt people hurt People. And so maybe in that mix, you got hurt. You were hurt in a relationship, maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe some other relationship, whatever it is, it, you're hurt. And if you dwell on that, you know, it can lead to a chorus of, 
I, I don't matter. Nobody cares. If, if I'm gone, nobody would even notice. I'm worthless. See, you may feel worthless, but the truth is completely different. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. See, there's nothing worth more than Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ actually completely emptied himself out fully for you so that you could spend an eternity with him forever in the glory and the bliss and the joy and the comfort and the excitement of heaven. You see, you may feel worthless, but the truth is you are priceless, okay? You're priceless. Maybe you thought by the time you were today's years old, that life would look a whole lot different than it does. And maybe by the, the time you got to this stage in life, you thought by now, certainly, you know, maybe you would be like a, a CEO, and, and maybe you really don't fit very high up on the org chart at all. Maybe you don't even have a job. Maybe you thought by the, the time you were today's years old, your name would be in the box score. You'd be a professional athlete. But as you look around in the world, there are like over 7 billion people and you struggle to get 100 likes on social media. And you start to think to yourself, you know, because your dreams have hit a brick wall, your dreams maybe have become a, a nightmare, that you're a nobody. You're a loser. I, I want you to know, you may feel like a loser, but God through Jesus Christ has actually already handed you the championship trophy. First John 3, 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And, and then the scripture passage that is really the, the foundation for the name of our church, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think that there's a celebration after the Super Bowl for the winning team, and there is, just wait until you're a part of that celebration in heaven that goes on for all eternity. If you think it's cool when the confetti comes dropping down from the stadium ceiling, the pieces of paper, you just wait. Okay, you just wait. See, you may feel like a nobody. But God, through Jesus Christ, has already handed you the championship trophy. You're the winner. You're the victor. I don't know, maybe it's uh, an occupational hazard that I have. 
Uh, but sometimes some people come to me, uh, and sometimes I'm one of those people, but sometimes some people come to me and they don't feel forgiven, like Kelly. Not her real name, but Kelly was 16 years old when she became pregnant. Definitely not what she had in mind. She was very nervous and afraid. Her parents had warned her not to let that happen. And now she was. And she was super scared. And she went to her parents and she knew that her unbelieving parents were gonna be really upset, but she was hoping that they would come around and be able to support her. Well, she was right on the first part. Her parents went ballistic. They couldn't believe this. They weren't concerned about Kelly and the baby. They were concerned about themselves. What were other people going to say about them? What were their parents going to say about them and their parenting of their daughter? They were concerned about what the people at work were going to say about them. How can we give you any responsibility here at work if you can't even take care of your own family? They were worried about what the neighbors would say. So Kelly's parents decided that Kelly should have an abortion. And Kelly didn't want an abortion. Kelly believed it was wrong. But Kelly didn't feel like she had a voice. And if she said anything, she was just going to get railed on again. And so Kelly's parents took her to the clinic and dropped her off so she could take care of her mistake. And for Kelly, she was just in shock. It was like she was out of her body. It was like an out-of-body experience. She was fearful. She was anxious. You know, she didn't have butterflies in her stomach. She had bees going on. And her baby's heart stopped beating. She had an abortion. And she felt horrible. Loaded with guilt and shame. About 10 years later, Kelly became a Christian with a secret. With a big old skeleton in her closet. About five years later, she made it into my office for the first time. So in other words, she had lived about half of her life filled with guilt and shame, feeling not forgiven. Do you ever feel like you're not forgiven? Maybe today? Maybe it was... Because you had an abortion. Or maybe because you paid 
for someone to have an abortion. Maybe it's because you, you, you drank too much. Maybe it's because you were or are addicted right now. Maybe it's because you messed up your marriage. Maybe it's because of what you said, the way you said it. Or maybe it's because you didn't say what you could, sort of, could have so easily said. But whatever it is, you just don't feel forgiven. And if that's you, I just want you to know that your feelings are not bigger than God. Your feelings don't determine whether Jesus died on the cross for you or not. He did. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. See, you may not feel forgiven. You may feel guilty, but you are washed in Jesus. When Jesus looks or when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see our sins. He sees Jesus. And so he declares us not guilty. And I want you to know that there place after place in the scriptures, it, it talks about this that you and I are completely forgiven in God. One of those places is Psalm 103. It says this, that our sins, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. See, you may not feel forgiven, but the truth is, is your forgiveness is a complete wipeout all of your sins, all of them are washed away in Jesus. See, in Jesus, we always have hope. You may feel hopeless, but in Jesus, you always have hope. Probably any number of us here, we have a, a plaque in our home or maybe a, a coffee mug that, that has Jeremiah 29, 11 on it. You know, it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, keep in mind that this passage goes far beyond earthly blessings, uh, far beyond plans for the immediate and, and hope for just right now. This passage is really talking about eternity and the plans and the hopes that God has for you for all eternity. God is moving us and leading us forward. Have you ever let your feelings get in the way of your faith because of a difficult situation? Have you ever felt anxious or depressed or deflated, worried, fearful, stressed out, overwhelmed, not forgiven? 
See, because of sin, we're going to feel that way sometimes. And with all of our feelings, whatever they are, let's follow Jesus' example. Let's identify them, validate them, and align them with God. Because you see, God and his word is not like the sand on the beach. It never changes. It's always constant and it's always true. And when we let our faith inform our feelings, then this is what happens. We become less me-centered, self-centered, and more Christ-centered. We began to live for him who lived and died for us. We began to see that God is actually working through all things together for the good of his kingdom. And that means all things together for the good for us. So we're part of his kingdom. That doesn't mean we're always going to understand everything. It means we're going to trust God. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy and there's not going to be pain. It just means we're going to trust God. He's got it. See, the, the gospel isn't grow up, quit your whining, suck it up. The gospel is God loves you and he's holding you in his eternal arms. He cares for you and he's providing for your every need, physical, emotional, and spiritual. I know. Trust me, I know that our feelings can be so intense that we can just be in complete darkness. And, and, and it feels like there's no way out. Whether that's through anxiety or worry or fear, finances, lack of forgiveness, that feeling, all those things. It can feel like we're pressed down and surrounded. I want you to know that you are surrounded, but not by what or who you think. You are surrounded by God. Our, our last worship song for today is a song called Fight My Battles Surrounded. And, and part of the chorus says, it, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I'm so filled with emotion for you. I'm so glad that you and I are surrounded by God. So we can walk by faith and not by sight. How do you have your faith inform your feelings? Well, I think for all of us, the first step is to admit that there have been times we've let our feelings direct our path. There have been times we've let our feelings direct 
direct our path instead of the truth. One of my, my favorite scripture passages, and it, it, it came from a, a place of pain and, and hurt when our daughter was so sick. In, in, in Mark chapter nine, there's a guy who has a son who's, who's just so messed up and he goes to, to Jesus looking for help and healing. And uh, he, he ends up saying what I say, and maybe you do too. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's a process, okay? It's a process. God is patient with us. And we'll be perfect when we get to heaven. All right? That's the first step. Admit there have been times we've let our feelings direct our path. Second thing, speak the truth of God over your life every day. Speak the truth of God over your life every day. For example, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, right? That means God loves you. Speak that truth of God over your life every day. Every day, tell yourself the truth. Say, God loves me, okay? Let's do that right now. Speak the truth of God. God loves you. Me, that's true, that's good, all right? Zephaniah chapter three tells us some more truth about God. Speak it over your life. It says God rejoices over you, okay? So speak the truth of God over your life right now. Say God rejoices over me, okay? God rejoices over me, yeah, that's good stuff, right? God cares for you. We learn that in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, right? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Speak the truth of God over your life. Say, God cares about me. God cares about me. We saw from Jeremiah that God has plans for us. We don't know where we're going. Aim. God has plans for speak the truth of God over your life. God has plans for me. Let's say it. God has plans for me. Right? In Isaiah chapter 49, it talks about the extent of God's love for us, that he's actually written our names in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Think about that as you think about Jesus going to the cross for you. He's actually got your name written on the palm of his hands. Speak the truth of God over your life. Say, God has my name written on the palm of his hand. Let's say it. God has my name written on the palm of his hand. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that you would lead us to speak the truth of you over our lives every day. Truths like, God, you love me. God, you rejoice over me. God, you care about me. God, you have plans for me. God, you have my name written on your hand. And so, Lord God, lead us. Lead us this way so that we say, and it's true, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. 
Where darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.